0: Welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. And before we get started with today's episode, I just want to apologize for what might be some potentially shitty audio quality. I just realized before recording that my microphone is broken, but I still wanted to record and get my thoughts out there for the Thursday, May 12th slate on the NBA playoffs. So we're going to go ahead and record anyways. If you are listening to this episode... Just bear with us through the 20 or 30 minutes that this takes, and for the next episode, I will have a new microphone, and my sound quality will be back to normal. So for this episode, I am joined by Cool E. My cousin Eric is back in the building. Eric, thank you for being here today. I appreciate you uh, making this pod just a little bit cooler each moment. You were graced by your
1: presence. No problem I'm glad you said cool e keep it keep it in check keep that going for each each pod moving forward please
0: <laughs> um, okay so we are here to discuss the two game sixes that we have we're recording this it's Wednesday before the Celtics game before the Warriors game but we are recording this in order to get this out for the Thursday games and on Thursday Eric tomorrow night we have the two game sixes Miami Heat in Philadelphia. Phoenix Suns in Dallas both the away teams are up 3-2 and in both these series the home team has won every single game but we have a chance for the away teams to close it out or the home teams to pull out another victory and to force a game seven so let's start off with just a broad uh brush is there anything you want to say about the Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers series at large. That we'll start there since that's the first game. Is there anything you want to say about the series up to this point that's, you know, giving you a read going into game six?
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, the Heat took the first two convincingly without Joel Embiid, correct? They went up 2 nothing. I believe the Heat won by 14 the first game and 16 by second, the second game. It was pretty convincing. The first game was actually a little closer. They blew it out in the fourth. Um, the third game went back to Philly, correct? And Joel Embiid played in that one. The Sixers won 99-79. And then the, Heat, the Sixers won again convincingly in the fourth game, which they said was the James Harden breakout game. So that made it 2-2. Then they went back to Miami last night and got dismantled. And I know that there's the home game narrative with both series, but this one, there were a few things that I identified that I think are at issue for Philly and people should strongly um, jump on the heat before the line moves even further, if it does. Uh, And Bede re-injured his face. I know people probably watch the game, but... When Deadman Deadman hit
0: the ball into into his mask.
1: And it was inflamed. It was bad. Um, People seem to forget that even though he's playing his full allotment of minutes, his 30 to 40 minute time frame, um, he's significantly injured and 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 hampered by it. Not to mention he's got one of the best defenders in the NBA guarding him with help of like a Gabe Vincent. And another notable point is that Kyle Lowry didn't play. Um, they were 0-2 with him in the lineup. And th- it's no surprise that an injured Kyle Lowry got exploited um, by James Harden and he was in offensive detriment. So... I think the Heat, I think he could have played in this last game, but the Heat decided to sit him because they were better without him. I think he sits again for the same reason. I think they go into Philly. I think they take care of business. Just Philly's morale, the the way they came out into the court, losing by 35. If you watch the game, it was a 50-point loss. They weren't trying. And Bede's significantly injured. He's got a fractured hand, fractured face. He re-injured that face. He's going to play tomorrow, obviously, but he shouldn't be playing. Uh, I think it, if it was not an elimination game, he wouldn't be playing. So they feed off of his body language. I, I, I think the Heat take care of business, and it really will depend on how the game starts off.
0: So I'm glad to hear you say that. Let's, let's talk about the bets that I've already placed for this game just so that we can let the people know, and then we can get your reaction. It seems like you're going to be in support of them. Um, the line for this game, Eric, is Heat plus 2.5. So I just right, want right. to say historically, there's a really, really strong track record of road favorites in game six elimination games. So that almost fits the bill here. I mean, Miami is not the favorite. They're plus two and a half. So they're technically a slight underdog, but they are the better team. So we have the better team on the road in a game six elimination game. That holds a really strong track record, and that's something that I'm going to back. So I already took the Miami Heat with the two and a half points. Another thing I did, and something I often do, is play alternate lines. So I took the alternate spread of Miami Heat minus 4.5. So I need them to win by five or more. And the reason why I did that, Eric, I often talk about it is the numbers 5, 6, 7, and 8 are the four most common outcomes in NBA games. So mm-hmm. by shifting the line, I'm getting a huge boost in my payout, but I'm slightly decreasing my chances of hitting. But the boost that I'm taking and the percentage increase in my payout far exceeds the percent likelihood that I lose because you know one, two, three, and 4 are less common outcomes in NBA games. And you also need to factor into this game that since it is an elimination game, if the Heat are winning down the stretch, the 76ers are going to foul a lot and they're going to have to play that foul game early, which is another reason why in an elimination game, road road favorite teams cover a lot. Um, Because, like I said, the team that's about to have their season ended is fouling, fouling, fouling. Even if there's seven seconds left and they're down six, they foul again. So it's good to back the team that's trying to do the eliminating, because if they have that team, like, on the ropes, then they just get the, you know, maybe a four extra points towards the end of the game that they wouldn't get in a regular season, you know, fouling situation. So, Eric, those are the two bets that I'm on in terms of the heat. The other thing I also played is the 76ers team total under 103, 104.5 is what I got it at. I think it's still at that right now. Um, The 76ers really haven't been able to score a lot aside from the game where Harden popped off. So I'm just continuing to ride that. Like this team has been really slowed down. They've actually played a slower pace and scored less when Embiid's been on the court. Uh, Just because when he's not on the court, they play five out. They play with shooters. They try and pick up the pace. Even though they've been doing better, they've been scoring less. So that's why I'm you know, happy to take the team total under for the Sixers and also back the Heat from a, like, trying to win the game perspective. Those are my two angles going into this game.
1: I completely agree. And it's, it's logically, you're going to play slower with your dominant center playing 40 minutes a game because he's running up and down the court the entire game. You can't afford to play at a fast pace. It would deduce his minutes. He would run out of energy quicker. This is a 300-pound man running the whole floor, running the offense, running the defense. It's not like Giannis, where Giannis is a 7-foot guard. This is a legitimate center who will tire out much quicker. He's getting bruised up in the paint. He's asked to do a lot on the perimeter on offense. You're going to play slower. They're 29th in NBA in pace for a reason. Everything goes through him. It's not unlike how Denver plays with Jokic. You're going to play at a slower pace with your center as your point guard. Um, now obviously James Harden and Maxi are, are the guards, but everything's run through Embiid. We know that. So you're not going to run an offensive set there. It's interesting because, you know, I've been listening to analysts and, and commentators and watching the game myself and, and they're saying that Philly's best chance is to get out on the break because of Miami suffocating defense. But Embiid is your best chance offensively in any circumstance. So if you're running, he's not running with you most of the time unless, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're yeah and Embiid
0: and Embiid's favorite thing to do on offense, the set the play that he wants to keep running over and over again is the pick and roll where he pops off a little bit and then Harden moves around him, throws, hits him at the elbow, and then he has his options to survey to either shoot that pull-up jumper to 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 pump fake which he's so good at and take one dribble in to try and body turn around to the post or even hit a shooter That's where Embiid feels most at home on offense is when he's running that pick and roll, pick and pop situation, which if you think on its own, just even get into that set takes 11 seconds off the shot clock. So automatically it's a slower game. It's a half court game. It's a slow it it down. It's a survey your options.
1: It has to be. There's no way around it. If you want, that's
0: why they won 90, 99 to 79 in Embiid's first game back. They let Embiid dictate the pace.
1: And let's keep in mind that while Philly's 29th in pace in offensive, like, pace. I'm not talking efficiency. I'm talking pace. um, Miami's 26. And Miami's, I think, outside of Boston, has the best defensive rating in the NBA. I could be wrong. I think they do. Um, Right, Mavericks are third. But regardless, Miami's defense is is suffocating. And another reason why, um, since we're on this topic, I think tailing the unders the right play, even if people get discouraged when they see an unquestionably low under, when they see, like, 203, right, or 205, they're uh, immediately, it's like, 20- they're like it's
0: 207 for this game, and then my thinking is, Eric, by, by yeah, taking yeah. only the heats, I mean, only the 76ers team total, because they're the favorite, you're getting slightly more than half of the of the total for the game, while also being able to go under on the team that you think is going to do worse and play at the slower pace.
1: No, and there's absolutely that smart logic if you think. But you I agree. About you're,
0: you're saying the 207 is a scary low number, and I'm saying I I agree. It's but we shouldn't be that scared. And you're you're that's what you're saying. There's no reason to be scared of a scary low number. And I'm saying it, I agree. It, and even the angle to play is play the the more than half under of the team side.
1: I want to compare it to something, too, um, because the under, I, I'm, I'm thinking both these teams generally hits their under. Now, when they're playing each other, you can only make the under so small. So people should look at this as a gimme. It's not unlike Cooper Cup's over under eight and a half catches during the NFL season. He was getting 12 catches a season, but you can't put the number that high or Vegas is in trouble. You know what I'm saying? It's too high a number. But unquestionably, he hit it nine out of 10 times. You have to play averages, right? These are two of the slower teams in the NBA. These are two of the better def- well, the Heat are 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 much better defensively, but with them beat back, Philly has still been very good defensively for the most part because regardless of his injury, he's a physical presence down low and and you know, replacing him with uh, any of their backup centers is such a minus, not to mention he's one of the most dominant defenders in the league, but you replacing him with either Paul Reed or DeAndre Jordan, who it's just not a backup like, say, for example, bringing in a, a Brooke Lopez or a Steven Adams, you know, like it's, it's not, not necessarily- even
0: like it's not even like in Utah where you can bring in Hassan Whiteside. It's not even correct, like correct. across the court in Miami where you can bring in Dwayne Dedman or in Phoenix where you can bring out JaVale McGee or Bismack. It's like there's literally exactly. nobody.
1: The drop off is, is 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 enormous. And especially given that the MVP or, you know what I'm saying, potential MVP is the guy who's being replaced um so with that said i don't think people sort of hesitate to take the under but what i'm a big proponent is is looking at the number and buying yourself a few points people also tend to um fear laying more juice and i guess in essence it's a it increases the minus but if you're sure about something if you're very confident in the initial line buy yourself a few points protect yourself because if you win what does it matter you know what i'm saying if you're uncomfortable laying a bigger number, stay away from it entirely. But if you're comfortable and and you want to listen to us and, and you take our advice, we're big proponents that this will hit. So me and you have talked about this, Mike. I'm, Can, I'm, a, this, Mike. Proponent of, I'm a proponent something? of – Can I ask you
0: something? Can I dig yeah. into that? Can I ask yeah. you a few questions that digs into yeah. that a bit? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. if we're going to angle this to the point where we say – we're liking the under for the Philadelphia 76ers. Right now, it's under 104.5. And you're coming into this saying, yeah, we like that. Why not also lay, lay the juice and buy a few extra points on that, right? So let's say you buy, what, a three points on it, four points on it?
1: Well, let me interrupt you, Mike. I, I love the under on taking Philly, but I'm more proponent of the more comfortable under is the game total because I think both teams are going extremely low. I'd, okay but, so let me I, but, so
0: let me walk let me, let's walk through this with the game situation so the game yeah, situation yeah. is over under 207 and so what you're saying is I would like to buy what four points on that total and take it to under 211.
1: yeah I I think I think you know you're laying a bigger number but it's more of a safer number and and people seem to not understand how accurate Vegas is with these over unders it's it's astonishing so understand going into it that it's pretty accurately (laughs) um yeah
0: they the way that they price things between opening lines and closing lines is about like between four and six percent for nba to hit right between the opening and closing line which is like probably a one point differential which is an insanely high rate if you think about betting statistics six percent's a lot four percent's a lot in terms of win rates so to be on the dime by four to six percent is very often, even though it doesn't seem like a lot, Eric. I want to keep asking you some questions to dig into how you would play the situation. So, if we said you were to take the under two ten and a half instead of two o seven, that is minus one sixty. So you're laying an extra fifty cents of juice in that situation. Would you? Is that something that's worth it, or or too much juice?
1: No, I I think that's entirely worth it. Um, like I said to people, people, hold on, Mike people, people tend to, um, to shy away from otherwise not, you know, what they believe to be an appropriate return. But I think the goal should always be to win. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? People seem to forget that. And people look at something and they're like, oh, I could get this at even. Let me just take this because my return will be, you know, I don't have to lay that much to get much back, but you're also risking losing that. So, like like we've been talking about mike we feel very confident about the under why not protect yourself you know what i'm saying in the event so
0: eric in that situation would you um would you bet like say say this say this was like a unit size of a hundred dollars just to do standard like people bet 110 to win 100 are in this situation are you increasing your bet size to say i'll bet 160 to win 100 or are you just keeping your standard bet size of 110 and now taking a payout of 68 dollars $68. and seventy five cents, or are you, you know, are you reducing your your bet amount, or are you reduce? How's the right way to put it? Are question, you increasing Mike, your with this. are you increasing your bet wager, or are you decreasing your payout and keeping your wager the same?
1: It's a good question. I want to touch on this too because a lot of people are consistent unit betters, and um, I think that's in some ways flawed at times. I'm a value guy, so um, for example, this might to answer your question. I believe that this is a good line, so I for this circumstance, I, it's very it's very game specific, bet specific. I think for this circumstance, yeah, I would increase the ante because I'm confident that it's going to cover. I I don't play into as much as and I me and you have talked about this the 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 bias that you know is immediately instilled when you check out lines. I like to evaluate the games prior, and I think. People listening should try to do the same, so they don't bias themselves. Try to get a feel for what's been happening in the series. Like, for example, to answer your question, Mike, quickly, and then I'll go on. Is yes, I increased the ante because it's something I I I think has a good probability of hitting. And people look at unders and and for some reason there's a disdain to take unders. I don't know why. It's not the glamorous take. It's not the best take. But you you know what I'm saying, right? People look yeah, at yeah. If it you look
0: at don't. if you look at my personal betting splits, I probably bet. 85% unders and 15% overs because the actual statistics of it are that like a little over than 50% of unders actually hit because people like to bet overs in general. So I'm like, I'd like to go unders. So because because the fact that people like to bet overs, lines get slightly inflated and then there's more value on the under. So Unders actually hit at a higher than 50% rate pretty much across all sports. They don't cross the 52.4% threshold that you would need to say, oh, if I just took all unders forever, would I be profitable? No, you wouldn't be, but you'd win more than 50% of your bets, but you'd lose money based on having to pay this tax of the sports book and having to pay the juice. Um,
1: Correct. Mike, and and sorry, let me chime in. what you gave is a very broad perspective, and it's very important to know the general perspective, but I'm saying that people also don't seem to follow data and trends and are very enamored by recency bias. I mean, you talked about it before. Like, like we said, this team plays at a pace of 29th in the NBA. The Heat play at 26. You're getting the two slower teams playing each other, and one of the teams happens to be tremendous on defense. Like, teams don't change the way they fundamentally play basketball overnight, so, you know, You're given a smaller under, of course, that, you know, incorporates that these teams play at a slower pace. But you also have to factor into game-specific environment. Like, Philly's going into an elimination game where you think they're going to come out with more drive and desire defensively. But you also have to presume that they're going to be tight offensively because of the risk of you lose and you're out. Yeah. And people don't evaluate the specifics and the nuance of... Right. Elimination
0: games go under even more so, and they (laughs) should be priced accordingly, and they should be bet accordingly, and and all those things. I just want to go back and touch on the... um...
1: Mike, I want to say one thing before we do. The one thing people should fear, and it's something you brought up earlier, is that, like you said, this is an elimination game, so if it is relatively close, and by relatively I mean 10-point margin within a minute or two, there will be fouls, and there will be points at the free throw line for miami which conceivably they make more than they miss and philly if philly can keep scoring they'll keep fouling so that's something to keep in mind when tailing the under which is something to be a little fearful of is that in games of this nature where you're out if you lose you tend to foul in margins of eight to ten points down or more where you ultimately wouldn't otherwise so it is something some people should keep in mind maybe if, if, if possible, during the game, take a live over, if, if that's the case, if it's close. I think you should protect yourself in the event that that happens.
0: Um, I completely agree. That gambling theory would completely agree. In the same way that I say I take 85% unders and I generally play unders because they hit more, I also really almost never, pretty much never, play the team that's facing elimination I always play the team that's trying to do the eliminating. So there's probably a 90/10 split there for me too, even though that's not reflective of the betting splits. I'm just sitting in in the, the position that I sit in Eric is I'm yes, not trying yeah. to pick my spots and try and find the right over, the right one of 49% chance that's going to hit. I'm not going to find the the right one of the the game 6 you know, team-facing elimination that pulls it off and then forces a Game 7, I'd rather sit back, bet so many of the of the ones that just fit the system, and just know that I'm going to win at, at a high enough rate to bring home some money. So I Agreed, will bet agree. always unders. I will bet always road favorites in a Game 6. Just, like, give me what the math says hits at higher rates and give me what people are also scared to do but the sports book edged them the other way,
1: right? And me and you are a little different on that, Mike. In that, like, I don't like to look at historical data. I like to try to evaluate the game specific. But you know, looking at historical data is is extremely relevant because trends are are relevant. Data is important. I mean, it happens over and over again. There's a trend. It's real. Um, but if we look at this game, like two oh seven, what's the line again? It's it's minus two and a half. You said Philly.
0: Yeah, but the the trend in the data, Eric, is because the situation stays the same. It's not because correct, it's because correct. of the fouling situation. Like, that fouling situation is going nowhere. So, like, if Miami's close and they're winning and it's a four- or five-point game, it's going to be stretched out to eight to ten by the end.
1: Correct, correct. And So and that 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 situ- that's the ahead.
0: reason why, historically, it shows well. And that's the reason why, even in this situation, it's, it also plays well.
1: And, and and to be perfectly clear, Mike, this game, whether or not the over-under hits will come down to, I believe, the first quarter and a half, because you'll understand the pace and the style of play. Because if it is relatively close toward the end of the game, so so Vegas right now has Philadelphia theoretically winning 105-102. That's that's the line they've placed, right? It's a 207 total to two and a half line. So mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, one, 104.5 to... Yeah, i rounded up. 105 to 102, right? Um, So... You know, if this game, and let's try to get into the specifics, if this game is played at a 101-92 score with a minute or 58 seconds or under, normally teams don't foul, correct? In this circumstance, Philly will. So if Philly starts fouling, Miami scores, they go up 11. Philly scores, they foul again. They're going to conceivably keep on fouling. So that is a fear to go into this game with. So, however, me and you are both of the proponent that you come out in an elimination game, you're tight. You don't make shots early, but you should be defensively stifling. You should at least attempt to be, right? Um, So, you know, one of the scores of this game was 99-79. That's not even close. I think this game is going to play closer to that, in which case the over will be so far away that it won't be too much of in jeopardy. But we're also assuming that it's an 8-10 to point game at the end of the game. If it stays around 3-2... to you don't foul, right? You play good defense and you play tight. I, however, am with you, I think this one could get a little out of hand. Um, but I still think, in any event, the way the teams play, like you said, with the Harden pick and roll, like, and you know, the lack of turnovers, the Heat really. They don't turn the ball over that often. They're pretty efficient. They might have more turnovers than usual lately, but they're, they're not a team that's going to turn the ball over frequently. You're not going to get many fast breaks from Philly, nor are they going to want to play like that. I think this game just plays slow and tight, and I think it stays relatively close. I do. So, like I said, I, I think it's 207s. A, it's it's a scary low number. Buy it up to 211. If you don't want to do that, fade it. In no way do I think it's conceivably the right idea to, to take the over.
0: Do you do you have a lean on the plus two and a half situation?
1: I love it. I love it. You would take the, I, I, would take I,
0: the plus I, two and a half for the Heat?
1: See, here's the thing that I never do. Any any line between, like you were saying, one and four, I'm not taking. I would either take the Heat to win outright and get a better line and then also milk it and buy a few points and get it to plus five and a half, plus six. Because like you said, um, the games are normally falling within that range. To lose by three or 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 lose by two, you're giving yourself two or one point to lose by a two and a half. Why not just take them to win or buy more points? I never would sit on that number ever.
0: Okay, ever. so I just want to play this at math out for you, Eric. If you yeah, wanted to, if you wanted to buy the Heat up for to plus five and a half, and play them, if you wanted yeah, to split yeah, your yeah. bet like you're saying, because I sometimes do something similar where I where I split my bet. Um, In this situation, you'd split your bet between playing a little bit on the heat money line where you get plus 118. And then you'd also buy back a little bit and get the heat plus 5.5 instead of the plus 2.5, which is minus 174. What you're actually doing, Eric, is you are betting. uh, Let me just quickly do this math.
1: Mm hmm. And Mike, I only say that from a general perspective. Like I think this is a flawed line. I think this is an opportunity to jump on the heat to take them action, but
0: what you're actually betting in that if you did that, Eric, what you're what you're actually taking is essentially a minus 129 line. So you're really not giving up that much juice from a normal minus 110 because you exactly get plus exactly. odds on one side and and minus odds on another. The minus odd is slightly bigger than the plus. I just did the math for you. It comes out to a minus one twenty nine correlated bet,
1: right? Which I'm which I'm completely aware of going into it, Mike. It's more for me, and and like you said, it's there's there you're not really disadvantaged by doing that. And um, my thing isn't necessarily the the differential and what I'm putting down collectively. It's that I don't like that number at two and a half. I think you're not getting a lot of room. Take them to win. You know what I'm saying. Two and a half is close a number to try to get in between. Rarely, like you said, is there two or one final.
0: So I I, I, I do think, you know, I do agree with you that I, I like I don't mind laying juice. That's that's the general consensus to this point that I want to make is I don't mind laying bigger odds. But personally the way I play, I just want to like separate yeah, us because yeah. I, I do think the way that you're doing this completely makes sense. I do something slightly different, so I just want to explain. If sure, I'm sure. alternating a line, I only do it in the direction that gains me payout. But mm-hmm. I do often lay a lot of juice when I don't like lines. I'm someone who is very willing to take a money line, like the Warriors yeah, in yeah. in game uh 3 was it? They with John Morant, their first game back in Golden State. The Warriors were like a minus like 407 400- Seven. Yeah, they were they were minus seven and they were minus four hundred money line. I didn't want to lay the seven. I also didn't want to buy back and then only lay three and a half. I just right. took the minus right. four hundred.
1: And that's I, that I, I laid
0: that much juice. They even covered the spread. They won by twenty. But I was right. like, screw right. it. I will lay that much juice. And what I did was I used my normal bet size and right. I just took right. less of a payout. I was like, I'm not even going to increase my risk four times. I'm just going to use my normal and take one quarter of my payout, and if it wins, cool. I didn't win as much as I normally would, but hey, I still won, and that's what we're here for.
1: And and that's very important for people listening is what, what Mike's saying is exactly my point, and that don't be manipulated by lines or juice or value because it really comes down to when you've evaluated the games, you've looked at the data, you've looked at trends, you trust the take. Trust it. Like... What matters is winning or losing, right? I mean, what you're getting in return, and now granted, I say that with a grain of salt because minus 400 in a game that theoretically could have won either way for the most part. While I agree with you with that take, Mike, because I was pretty confident as well in the Warriors, which they did win by 20, minus 400 is a little little much for me because of the potential that the other team could win, Um, but... That I said. knew it was a
0: lot, but I think it just highlights the point that you don't need you don't you need to hear, the like, point, is point, point is that you were, that confident,
1: you were confident, confident based, on your, based on your research and your but analysis. That's
0: why, but Eric, because the minus four hundred was a little pricey, that's why I just stuck with my original bet size. It just took Brandy. less payout
1: because we're, we're hey, hey, I don't articulate. want to pay
0: all that price, so I'll just take less winnings.
1: And to put it simply to people, so we don't drag this out and and make it um, confusing, you're confident in something, and if you're listening to us that's how we approach things take it win it's a win lose game it's not a find the best value necessarily it's just right so
0: i i have another i think i have a perfect example uh we have the upcoming nba draft eric uh we're both huge (laughs) nba fans so i I don't follow. where
1: you go you want to tell the people about scotty barnes
0: what that that you played him in high school
1: no, that I took him at plus twelve hundred. You punk! Oh, okay. Did did, <laughs> did you
0: play against him in high school or something?
1: Like he's like eight years younger than me.
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah, he's a rookie. What am I saying? And <laughs> We're the yeah, same yeah. age. Austin yeah. awesome awesome Rivers, rivers I, did. I did. Okay, um, that's pretty cool. All right, so yeah. um, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, for for the NBA draft, here's my example. So it seems like Jabari Chet and Paolo Bancaro are the top three picks. One bet that I'm really looking for is not Bancaro top three. What I wanna take is find the odds on Bancaro top five. Because I'm willing to lay more juice and take him in the plus five in the top five range because I know there's zero chance that Bancaro doesn't go top five.
1: So I'm not sure I'm in love with that actually because of two players that fall in that grouping... Well, I don't think he could drop out of five, but people are enamored, rightfully so. It's become a point guard guard league, explosive guard league. I would not be surprised to take an even better line at the Purdue guard going top three, potentially. I could see him sneaking into that third pick. I really can. What's his Ivy? name? Jaden Ivey? Yeah. Jaden is getting comparisons to John Moran. This has become a point guard, um, and he's big. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, and he has that immediate explosion... And to me, he's a guy who is getting valued um, in today's NBA and what he could do immediately in his ceiling to where I think he can strike in that top three and you could probably get good value on it. Now, anybody who really wants to take the surest thing, I don't I don't know what the line is. I'm guessing it's enormous. Jabari Smith will be going number one. So, so, so it's actually,
0: really, Eric, 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 thank you for bringing this up. So yeah. I said this on a podcast recently. I've been blasting about this on my Twitter yeah. and a, yeah. in the Discord that I'm in. I got this at plus 105 like a week and a half ago. And mm-hmm. right now Jabari mm-hmm. is only a minus 105.
1: Whoever's listening to this right now, it will move significantly. This guy will not drop out of one. I understand, I understand that there's that been that hype about him. He is going number one. Undeniably, because... People need to look at this like we do and really get philosophical here. And people remember mistakes. Kevin Durant um, went number two. You can't make that mistake. Now, I understand that, you know, Chet Holmgren was the consensus number one pick for a long time because of his potential ceiling. And while... You can take a risk on Holmgren over guys like Boncaro, over Jaden Ivey. You cannot take that risk over Jabari Smith. (laughs) So teams have made mistakes in the past, whether it be Odin or Sam Bowie or, you know, other guys who have gone early because of people thinking potential ceilings. Jabari Smith has the highest ceiling. And he's the most NBA-ready, and he's the best player in the draft, and it's that simple. So while Holmgren might go number two and jump players like Boncaro because you could take that risk because I don't know if Boncaro necessarily is the ceiling of, of a guy like Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith is going number one. That is an absolute fact.
0: So Eric, my, my max bet on a um, line that I'll do is three units, which correlates to like 3.6% of my bankroll. Right, so right. for this one, I've already put in two units on the plus money, and I think I'm about to up it for a max bet because, like, is is this this is a max bet situation? Right?
1: This, he's not going exactly it with with these
0: and, odds and this confidence in in the pick. This is a situation and, and, where I would expect to be laying minus two twenty five juice.
1: And and people listening might say like, oh well, you don't know how the lottery is going to play out. We're telling you, he's a consensus one to any team who gets the first pick. Okay, 1%. so
0: I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I'm adding another 1.05 units to win one. So I now have my max exposure that I'm willing to do in any situation on Jabari Smith to go number one. I will also have uh, some serious exposure on Bancaro to go top five once those odds become available. Because like I said, I don't care what the juice is. This guy is not going below the top five. There is no chance.
1: Me? I... Want to agree with you, but I I started out with Jaden Ivey, and he was one of them who I think could jump him. So let's just figure this out. We got Jabari. Let's presume, right? If he were to yeah, I'll give
0: you. You want me to give you the top five? No, let me do it.
1: Let me do it, Mike. Um, because I want to do it based off of what I think, what I've been watching, and and just see if I'm anywhere close. Because you know how I like to evaluate individually and then get a feel. Show us what
0: you got. I'm gonna assume Jabari Jabari Smith's going going one. one. Right. Right. Yep,
1: and, and let's assume for all intents and purposes that Chet Holmgren does go 2. I think he probably is the right pick at 2, even though I don't like him. The ceiling is there. I think you can risk missing Ivy Bencero, and uh, other people. Let's say he goes 2, right? Let's say Ivy sneaks in at 3, which he very well could. Let's say, so those are 3. People are enamored by Keegan Murray as well, the kid from Iowa. He had a bad game in, in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I think when we talk about recency you know, bias and all that stuff. Like, yeah, I guess Duke was in the final four, this and that. So people were seeing more of Bunkero make it all the way. Um, Keegan Murray was a guy who was the most dominant player in the country. I think he probably won player of the year, right? Or had to have Keegan, been
0: up there, up there. Keegan Murray is projected to go seventh right now.
1: Interesting. Um I could So see maybe, that maybe like
0: maybe a top seven Keegan Murray play or maybe even a top five plus money Keegan Murray play. Yeah, but but we'll if you're looking at these if Murray you're looking at these odds, great. Eric, where's where
1: Benedict Matherin, Mike? Uh,
0: Ninth.
1: He's a guy, too, who could sneak up, dude. Scotty Barnes, if you remember, wasn't expected to be picked before Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs dropped to five um, unexpectedly. So it does happen.
0: Yeah, but I don't think people in the top three in the NBA go below the top five. I, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from it right ben now, but NBA. I'm just going to say I will be betting Ben Caro top five once the odds come out.
1: And, and, and I tend to agree with you. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Um, I think Ben Caro could go as high as three, but... Um, I think he can go as high as two. He could. He could. And there are areas where Chet Holmgren slips, too, because I watched Chet Holmgren for the majority of the season and was thoroughly unimpressed. And I thought to myself, this guy can't even catch a ball, and he's gonna have to guard and beat and Jokic next year. I didn't think he was ready. I do agree that he has to come out this year because I don't think his 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 ceilings ever gonna be higher. I, I'm not sold on this guy. He reminds me, he gives me Hashim to the beat vibes. <laughs> he, he's extremely talented, but I'm not sold that it's gonna translate. He's very awkward. He doesn't move great. He was like that Gonzaga team was unbelievable with Andrew Emmerd and Drew Timmy, and he was just. I wasn't – when you saw him going against NBA talent, where do they have Jalen Duran? The Memphis center. There are guys I could see going ahead of Boncaro at his position. I really can't. Jalen Duran for Memphis. He's a freak. He's got to be up there. McDonald's, McDonald's All-American. All-American. Seven 18. Football. 18 he's dropped to?
0: Oh, he, he actually has tied odds with Matherin for 9, but yeah, with with nine other people.
1: I got to take a look at this. But Mike, let's not veer too south because <laughs> we yeah, can go okay, over. Let's the get floor back.
0: Floor. Let's get back to the playoffs. All right, let's let's and, go and out let's west. Let's tie this,
1: Mike, to what we think. Let's put our final takes on this on this heat game and then let's move on to the next because
0: My want, heat game, I my players. I think we're good. I think I think I said I'm on heat plus 2.5. I'm on right, heat right. minus 4.5. I'm you want me to give
1: any potential prop value?
0: 76ers, team total, under 104.5. You like uh, the under, and you and you like the idea of buying points. You like the heat, and you like the idea of playing a money line, and the idea of buying points there, too.
1: And I will say one more thing on this, Mike, before we continue, because you want me to give pot- potential player prop value. I feel like that's where I'm, I'm strongest. Um I don't for know, our, li- know for
0: our listeners who don't know, Eric is a renowned DFS person. He's got a crown next to his name on DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> he is banned from any beginner level tournaments. So that's why I often ask him to come with the player props. I don't often play player props, yep. but I know that he's very well versed in them. So when if he's often playing DFS, that's highly correlated to the props market. So if there's someone that he's eyeing and playing in a DFS setting, that means they're undervalued based on their expected outcome or output, and they would be thus a good prop play. So that's why I turned to Eric for those kind of thoughts. Um, yeah, Eric, do you have any players in this game that you're targeting for props in yeah, DFS? Yeah.
1: yeah, Mike, and thank you for that introduction. That was nice. Um, I don't know the line yet. We might want to put something else out soon. Um But in terms of just evaluating the way the game's played and and the way I approach this is that um, Jimmy Butler, his usage for the Miami Heat right now, is he's got like 43% usage rate. He's got like 24% rebounding. He's got about 18% assist usage. And with Kyle Lowry out, it ticks up. I think the way Jimmy Butler's played the entire playoffs, the efficiency, the ease at which he's getting to the basket, I think Jimmy Butler's points, rebounds, and assists are must um, I, I don't think people should be um, scared of the number. It's not unlike, obviously, Giannis is higher. Giannis is 53 tonight for people listening. That's a number you shouldn't be scared of. You should take. Um, and I'm putting that out there. The game has started. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I can't see how he doesn't cover. But it's the same with Jimmy Butler. His usage, Jimmy's is thir-
0: 38.5 points, rebounds, assists.
1: I think immediately take, and I think don't hesitate. Yeah, he's
0: going to have like 25, 10, and 5. So that's correct, that's correct. 40 in itself.
1: At the minimum, he scored... Upwards of forty points one game, thirty three points. The only thing preventing him from reaching this line, Mike, is a blowout. Or, or, and or, you also,
0: you also, you also said you like the under in this game. So, he did score like forty points when the Heat only scored seventy nine, or he right, had like thirty six right. of their seventy nine, or something crazy. So, so he can still get city. there despite low output. But that would be the concern. The concern of playing any player overs would be that we're also playing the under. But again, maybe that would be you just play him in a DFS setting as opposed to playing his prop or... or.
1: No, I think his prop is a phenomenal line. I, I yeah, think, that 38.5 is, is good value. Vegas, the, the the reason I'm good at this and the reason you know, you know what you're doing, Mike, is that we identify value. For example, um, Vegas doesn't see things that people otherwise think they're so sharp on. For example, um, Kyle Lowry being out increases and i have data to support this it increases his usage in percentages of assists rebounds and other areas in which he otherwise wouldn't be reflective in the line so you're getting a guy at 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 38.5 i think you said and that's
0: 38.5 yep his assist his assist line line is five and a half
1: right and the guy is playing point forward. He rebounds the ball. And you also have to think the Heat are very stifling defensively. Like, the, they're going to force Philly in—I know Philly wants to get the ball in the paint to Joel B, But what happens when Joel Embiid gets balls? you double him. What happens when a double is you kick out for a three. What happens with threes are long rebounds. What happens with long rebounds is guards and forwards get those rebounds. Not to mention Jimmy Butler's always there. For rebounds, he's a good rebounding point or, or guard forward, and he gets a lot of offensive rebounds. He 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 just does it all, and I just think it's a line to pay attention to. And I also think a guy who fills out the stat sheet in points, rebounds, assists, are is Max Schrute. Now he could be a little bit of a issue of recency bias because he's coming off of a massive game. But if his line is appropriate, I think it's something someone should consider, given that he plays thirty plus minutes a game.
0: I I you know I'm a big. Max Struess fan. I was thinking of a, how to work in a joke about uh, how ridiculous the Harden contract talk is, and how ridiculous the Jalen Brunson talk is. And I was gonna say the only Max contract is Max Trus.
1: Let me tell you something, Mike. He's got the highest plus minus in the entire playoffs. Now I know that's a that's a that's a funky line true says the highest plus minus of yeah, any Yeah, they've also
0: years. they've also blown out some teams and like they, they blew out Atlanta right. a few times right. and they've had more right. games than like say the Celtics players or.
1: Right, but it, 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 it the, the the discrepancy can only be so large though. He is the best, so he's a plus player on the court. Um, yeah, no, no, um,
0: I agree. You, I'm a big Streus guy. Okay, yeah, should we move yeah. on to the Suns Mavs game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Suns Mavs game six. We are in. Dallas, home team has won every game, just like the other series that we talked about. Um, Eric, we have Phoenix Suns favored by two. Let's start off with the same question we did. Is there anything besides besides from Game 6 that you want to talk about, about the series as, as a whole, before we go into the Game 6 discussion?
1: No, I think this one's a little more tricky than the Heat one. Just to, Just to reiterate... I, I think you're catching the heat at a phenomenal line. I know it's in Philly, but the Philly's deflated. They're against the ropes. It's over. Embiid's done. They feed off his body language. This game, however, I'm not as confident because this seems like a true home advantage to me where Dallas has looked in control at home and, and whereas Philly's best player and by large way their best player, Embiid, in terms of usage, in terms of reliance, is injured significantly. Luka Doncic is not. So I think at home with a healthy Luka, you know, and the role players they have who have played up at home, um, I think this is a lot trickier of a, a game to approach.
0: So it sounds like you almost disagree with both, like, like you would switch the lines and make the Heat the slight favorite and the Suns maybe the slight underdog, or you think the, sli- no, the Suns no. should be a slight favorite like they are? No,
1: I, I, I think it's appropriate, the Suns. You I just think, think, I think the he Heat line is entirely just wrong. Correct.
0: Correct. Let's stay this on the Suns game. for now, though, because we, we, we've we've hammered the heat discussion. So let's, let's right, stay. Right, I just want people to take the right thing, but yeah. <laughs> it's, if they've listened to us, if they're still listening at the 45-minute mark, they're on the yeah, You're right. You're right.
1: Okay, let, let's t- dive into this one. So um, both teams have won comfortably in their home game. So the Suns went up 2 nothing at home. I want to say that the score, me and you talked about it, Mike, but for a late push, the Suns blew them out at home the first game they blew him out at home the second game and then they went back to Dallas where Dallas won 111-101 it was never in question or that I'm sorry Dallas won 103-94 it wasn't in question then Dallas won 111-101 that didn't seem like it was in question either so Dallas has looked pretty convincing at home um, I while I do think Suns the line is appropriate and Suns minus 2 being the favorite they are the better team Suns are excellent in game 6s too which is something that somebody sh- should point out Mike they're one of the best teams over the past four years in a game six game on the road. They had one of the best road records in the NBA this year. They're a tough team. Um, but Dallas, they've been alive at home. I, that, I don't know. It's a tough one. So
0: I would say the main thing is you you just say role players shoot better at home. That's like an old NBA philosophy in the playoffs is that. The, it's, true. it's true. If you look and it's at true. The, and we that. saw it come true in this series where the Finney Smith. Came alive at home where Bertans came alive. Brunson's been so much better. Like, um, Cleaver, I mean, Cleaver's amazing wherever he is. The guy's literally yeah, just yeah. Uh, a walking come on, come on. sun like he is the Phoenix Sun, he's, he's blazing hot. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, Cleaver can't be stopped wherever he is, yeah. But everyone yeah. else, just, everyone else is shooting it. a There's lot better at home, and I think that's what we've seen in this series. I'm going the other way Eric. I'm 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 buying in for this game into what you said to the Suns being a great game 6 team to yep, the yep. game 6 philosophy of road favorites have an amazing record at closing them out. When you are a road favorite in a potential elimination game 6 situation, you cover like 72% of the time. It's because the 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 spreads are always tight cuz those are 3-2 series. So you're not going to get like a minus seven, minus eight. You're going to play these minus two situations. And when you're playing these minus two situations in elimination games, you also have that foul situation that me and Eric keep talking about, which means there's a lot more late game fouling, which pushes the line. If the Suns are winning by a possession, they are going to be fouled. If they get a rebound with one second left and they're up one point, They're they're gonna the Mavericks are trying to get a foul with 0.3 seconds left. Right, right. It you have to be comfortable laying the minus two. I personally am laying the minus two. It seems the public is on this bet as well. It seems like the sharps are on this bet as well. 71% of the bets are on Phoenix. 71% of the money is on Phoenix. So it seems everyone and their mom is on Phoenix. (laughs) It's at minus two now. It'll probably move to minus 2.5 because of that. Eric, sure, I sure. also took the alternate spread of Sun's minus four point five and got myself an increased payout by again buying into the idea that if they're up if they're up three and it's a late game situation, there's gonna be more fouls. If they're up five, it's a late game situation, there's gonna be fouls and they're gonna easily cover. So I also have an alternate spread of minus four point five on this game as well. And sure, I don't sure. have any play on the over under yet. And the line is set at two eleven.
1: Um, yeah, Mike. And it goes the same same thing holds true with the first game. Um, I'm just more confident in the under for the first game, just given the way the teams play, given the way that I know Philly's going to come out and probably just shoot up a ton of bricks, but probably try to play tough defensively. Um, this game is a game with the same just justification as why you should be very weary of the unders that, like you were saying, Mike. You were just attributing it to the minus line. Um, I'm saying that in an eight to ten point game with a minute left, let's say the Suns are winning by seven or more, where you normally wouldn't foul. Let's think about that. That could equal up to twelve to third. Hold on one second. Mike. That could equal up to twelve to thirteen more points in the game because if they foul, score, foul, score, foul, score, they'll keep doing that until the game theoretically ends. So and
0: and, so. and the Phoenix Suns are similar in the in in team to the Golden State Warriors, where they're willing to play the foul game so that you don't shoot threes. So like if they're up 3, they'll foul you because they're like we're going to inbound the ball to either Booker, Bridges, or Chris Paul or even Cam Johnson, which are all 80% free throw shooters. Right. And right. they will they will beat you at the free throw game. So if right, you want right. to just trade fouls, so that's just going to shoot this points up. I actually even though it goes against philosophy of game 6 elimination games, I would lean over for this 211 line.
1: So would I. Um, And the reason being, Mike, is that me and you both believe, let's say, for example, we thought Dallas was going to win, right? If we thought Dallas was going to win and they're up six to seven points at the end of the game, Phoenix probably wouldn't foul because it's not an elimination game. But we're of the proponent that, uh, not proponent, we're of the position that um, Phoenix is probably winning down the stretch, right? So if they're up three to eight points, even eight, three, let's say three to 10 points in the minute left there will be fouls by Dallas because Dallas needs to win. There isn't like, okay, let's throw in the towel. You don't throw in the towel and being eliminated. You just don't do that. So in any other circumstance you would, even in two, two, if you're down seven with 30 seconds, you might just say, fuck it. You know, well, edit me out, Mike, but you might just say, screw it. Um, But yeah. All right. So I'm just trying to be authentic here. Um, You might say, screw it, but you're eliminated if you don't. So, even in seven points down 30 seconds where that game might just end and theoretically there's no more points scored, that could be eight more points. Because, yeah, you, almost,
0: you almost do it for the optics. You don't want to be the player that doesn't foul and then signals to the rest of your team that the season's over. Like, if you're bro, Finney bro. Smith, you're going to be you're, – you're fouling. If you're Kleber, if you're Jalen Brunson no, – like Kleber's getting the foul. steal. Kleber's
1: getting the steal, but uh, – <laughs> Anyone else has to foul. But um, no, Mike, in all seriousness, like, it's 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 even less the optics. It's that your season's over. Like, you don't have anything to lose. Like, you have everything to lose by not fouling. So, like, why not try? And, and you're right. There's an optic perspective of it. But in any event, that's irrelevant because you will be fouling. So me and you are of the position that Phoenix will be up. We're of the position that it's generally not a one- to two-point game at the end of a game. So assuming we're correct in that logic and it's a 4 to 6 point game or even 6 to 10 point Phoenix lead unless Phoenix up 25 which i highly doubt anywhere between 6 to 14 points where you otherwise wouldn't foul they will be fouling and then let's say for example they foul Chris Paul hits two free throws Devin Booker hits two free throws Lucas scores they foul Lucas scores that's can that can lead up to 10 to 13 points in 30 seconds that otherwise would be completely erased in any other circumstance so people need to take that into account
0: so i'm going to join this. I'm going to take the over. I'm already on the Phoenix minus two. I'm already on the Phoenix alternate line minus 4.5. I'm jumping in on the over 211. Um, that's at FanDuel right now. It's, at, it's actually at 212 and a half on DraftKings. So I think I'll take the 211 at yep. FanDuel. Yep. That's why it's so important to have multiple places to bet because you can get a point and a half difference on the same exact line. Um, yep. Yep. Eric, for this game, are there any player props are there any DFS things? Where are you looking in that regard?
1: Yeah, Um. so I've been successful in this series in that last game, for example. I saw Bridges was at 21.5 points, rebounds, and assists, which was astonishing to me. Because, like I said, recency bias plays a factor in finding a good line. Um, Mikel Bridges covered before the third quarter ended, and the blowout scared me a little bit. But this is a guy, if he has a similar line, take it. He's had two bad games. He, he's a guy who plays 40 minutes. They're it's 20.5. You know, take it. They're Ding up heavy on, on Booker and Paul. And, they, and keep in mind, Jay Crowder got injured last game. He hurt his shoulder pretty bad. He could potentially be limited in minutes or even be out. So the line, I don't know if it'll move. But regardless, he's a guy who's going to be re- asked to do a lot offensively um not to mention he gets steals he creates baskets he's the runner-up defensive player of the year it's not coincidence that he got four steals it's a lot but he's a fast break player he's he's efficient as they come um i think he's a guy who rebounds he does everything and he he's while he's guarding luca and there's a little bit of fear in him picking up fouls and having to sit for the same reason if he's not in foul trouble Book bridges is playing 40 to 44 minutes a game because of what he provides defensively and you give that minutes to a guy he's presumably going to cover a relatively low line. He did yesterday in three quarters. And I think the same holds true for Jalen Brunson. I think if you look at outside of Luca, Luca obviously is very he's He's got a 48% usage. It's out of this world, but outside of Luca, the other guy who's taking 15 to 20 shots a game is Brunson. And it was 25 and a half. He covered with within three quarters. Granted it was close, but people need to take into account that this was a blowout. Um, he didn't get his usual allotment of minutes. I don't think this is going to be a blowout at home in Dallas. I think it stays close. And that's, people need to realize that you have to factor all this into what you're taking, the game environment, what you think is going to happen. If you think it's going to be a close game, you uptick his minutes, five minutes. Five more minutes means potentially eight more points, rebounds, assists. Like, you have to factor that in. Jalen Brunson's a guy who will take 20 shots. Luca will need help. Luca will be seeing doubles. Luca's a willing passer. Jalen Brunson is the other guy who shoots 20 times a game. They've already deduced... Then he uh, uh, Dinwiddie's minutes, which we talk about, Mike. He's seeing a reduction in minutes each game. So Brunson's asked to be relied on more heavily offensively as a guard position, which he already is. But he's a guy you should definitely be targeting. They, as well w- as they will put
0: the ball in Brunson's hands at the beginning of the games more recently to try and spare Luka for the end of the games. Like You've noticed think, that think- Brunson's been doing a lot more in the first half. Just so that well, Luca's not doing everything the whole game, and Brunson's very capable of doing it, and he well, does. Was
1: actually excellent in the fourth quarter yesterday, and the end of the third. Just because. Right. because what you're saying, Mike, I, you're saying to save Luca's energy, but this is this is an elimination game. Luca's going to come out fully looking for a shot early. I think Luca could tire out a little early, and he's going to have bridges on him. Brunson's gonna be heavily integrated in the game, regardless of the circumstances.
0: No, Brunson's Brunson's always gonna be involved. I'm not saying that like Brunson becomes yeah, less yeah. involved in the second half. I'm just saying they've recently even upticked his his usage in the first half. So it's even another reason to say, okay, if he's got a normal usage plus a little uptick, which I think I think is a clear point that the Mavs are trying to make is to get Jalen Brunson more involved. And he was going straight at Booker last game and doing really well. Like, yeah, no, I no, I almost no, no. think. I almost think and, and and like this is a little bit off topic Eric is
1: yeah. is the yeah.
0: way that Jalen Brunson has attacked Devin Booker in the last two games and been or three games at this point and been really successful in doing so has uh-huh. kind of uh-huh. reminded me or it's it's kind of made me less worried about Donovan Mitchell's poor performance on defense cuz I'm, I'm more like wow Brunson can even do it to Booker I'm like less hating on Donovan Mitchell because Ronson's Brunson's still able to do it to Booker.
1: And people, and this is where you identify hidden value, Mike. Like, I kept telling you this guy is legitimate. And you're, were, we were kind of going back and forth on that. And you've kind of bought into it now. And it's, I'm a big proponent of don't figure it out late, figure it out early. And Brunson wasn't scoring 28 points per game by accident. Granted, Luca was out the first two, but he's a very, very good two guy. Better than I think. I, I don't
0: think I'd pay him 20 million if I was a GM, but yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. In this situation, different, different Brunson's story. come on really strong. He's a great person to target props or DFS,
1: and he can score on anyone. He's not a guy who is getting lucky here or there. He's very good, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, like, he's, he's very crafty, and he actually has a wide frame. He knows how to use his. Body yeah, yeah. Well.
1: and Another thing that's very interesting, and people should very keenly listen to this, is that. Dallas' game plan, which they're going to continue to do, is play five out. And by doing so, you move Aiden out of the paint so they could post up Chris Paul. They're wearing out Chris Paul. They said it's their game plan from game one. They said it's a collective series effort, not tire him out one game, to tire him out so he's dead in the end of the series. I would fade Chris Paul in every statistical category. I would potentially look at his unders, although you can't be comfortable doing that. I would go Jalen Brunson for this very reason in that They are posting Jalen Brunson on Chris Paul. Whoever has Chris Paul guarding him, they are exploiting that matchup because they want to tire him out. They're kicking all their—they're putting Bertans and and, um, Kleber outside. So what that essentially does is it pushes Aiton out of the paint so you can't have help defense. So— in essence, you could go one-on-one on Chris Paul and you could post him up, you can attack him. And I'm not saying Chris Paul's a bad defender. He's a, he's a good defender, but he's 36, 37 years old. Their game plan is to tire him out so he has no legs offensively. They will continue to do that. So, so for that, before we that, get out of here, here and wrap yeah, this
0: up, yeah. Eric, I'm going to hit you with the mm-hmm, Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson four different props and, you, and the different odds because I actually am intrigued by some of them. And tell me which you would most play. So Jalen Brunson's points is 19.5, and the juice is minus 118. I think immediately lock that in. You would play the over for his points?
1: Yeah, because I think he's a guy who, um, I think he's more scoring dependent. I think Luka's going to be generating more of the assists. I think Brunson is a capable rebounder, and you could see he does rack up a good amount of rebounds, but it's not the statistical part of his game he's going to dominate, but... From that same logic, I could see Brunson going for 23 to 25 this game. I do think he will get three to five assists. So I do like his points, rebounds, and assists as well. I just so let's, just
0: so think let's keep going. His rebounds is over under 4.5. The over is plus 116.
1: I I don't know because a lot of things have to randomly happen for that to occur. You know what I'm saying? Random bounces, random, random, you know, just just it, it's a, it's a bunch of randomness that I can't calibrate. So, okay. So
0: let, let me keep going. So you wouldn't bet you wouldn't bet the either of them for the rebounds. Jalen Brunson's assists over under is three point five, and the over is plus one thirty
1: two. Like I said, he's plus he, money he, on
0: four assists.
1: Right, but and this is where you don't get duped. But this is why I always evaluate things prior to looking because of that very reason, Mike. Um, I think he is a guy who. And this in in their strategy, I think Luca's predominantly has the ball in his hand, and when he doesn't, Brunson is looking to score. Now, if Luca was out of the game, and if you look at it, they're generally playing amongst the aside each other. You're not going to get as many minutes. Well, I think Luca might go the whole game, um, but which hurts Brunson's assist prop. Um, I think Brunson could easily cover, but again, players have to hit shots like. Things have to happen for that to cover. I don't think he's going to get as much opportunity. Let's say, for example, um, the true shooting percentage is down for the Mavericks. That's going to significantly hurt his chance. He's not a guy like Luka who's going to, you know, 8 to us okay, let so 10 let's,
0: let's, you say people need to hit their shots. Does Jalen Brunson hit his shots over under 1.53s for Jalen Brunson is plus 136?
1: I don't like it. I think he's an attack the rim guy. I think he's trying to post up Chris Paul. They have a game plan. They're trying to wear out Chris Paul and by just shooting threes, you're letting him off the hook given that he's going to be the primary defender on Brunson because who else would he guard? He's not guarding Luca, you know? So they're going to try to post him up and go to the hole on Chris Paul. So no, I mean, he could hit it, but I'm more confident in him just getting to the paint and scoring. All
0: right. So we've, we made it to an hour. I want to wrap this up so that people yeah, actually yeah. listen to it and don't it doesn't drag on too long for people to <laughs> Right, and Kleber. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so so me and Eric are, you know, you take every Kleber over you could possibly. <laughs> yeah, <do. laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mike, no, we before don't we even go, one last thing,
1: I'm sorry, is that Phoenix exploited something last game with Bismarck Biombo. Expect him to see north of 13 to 18 minutes. If there's a prop line for him, identify it. That's all I'm saying.
0: Okay, great. Um, yeah, yeah. So, in summation... Uh, we're on Phoenix minus two Phoenix minus 4.5, probably going to join in on the over to 11 uh, might join in on some of these props that Eric's recommended, whether it be bridges points, rebounds, assist combo 20.5. I think that might've been my yeah, favorite yeah. ones of the ones that he mentioned because mm-hmm, I'm also yeah. a Phoenix backer. I'm a little hesitant to take uh the Brunson ones, but uh, Eric's a big Brunson guy. I've, I've always been an anti Brunson person. So, so throw my bias in there with your thoughts and with Eric's recommendations and knowing that he's more of the props angle guy himself. He's holding up his finger. He's going to say one last thing. (laughs) and then I'm not even going to say another thing. So Eric, what is the last words on this podcast before we wrap up?
1: Last thing I will say about the props is that please remember that I'm telling you Chris Paul has been worn out of the series because of what they're doing to him on defense. All the responsibility lies on the other players. So Chris Paul's usage is significantly down. So Booker, Bridges, Uh, Are guys you should target for their points, rebounds, assists immediately?
0: Thank you all for listening. Uh, We will be back. Me and Eric will probably come back before the round three situation. Uh, Certainly, we will be back with more betting advice and more angles to play as soon as we have enough things to talk about.